Hey ladies, welcome back to the show. I am your host, Trisha Stefankowitz, registered dietitian nutritionist. On our episode today, I wanted to talk about this topic that is kind of like a hot topic. I feel like lots of people are talking about it because like anything, it always comes down to weight loss, especially when you're, especially in the diet industry that makes billions, like 70 some billion dollars a year. So the topic that we're going to talk about today is intermittent fasting. And we're going to talk about it because there's a lot of information out there about intermittent fasting. And part of this podcast is for you to become empowered. And part of becoming empowered is to have the knowledge to make decisions to figure out if this is something that would benefit you in your life. So we're going to talk about intermittent fasting today. We're going to talk about what it is, what it does in your body, what some of the studies show what the studies don't show. And then at the end, I'm going to kind of give you my opinion about intermittent fasting. And it's, I'm I'm torn on it. So I'm going to tell you where I've come up on the topic of it. So let's dive deeper into what intermittent fasting is. Intermittent fasting is also known as time-restricted feeding. So instead of focusing on what it is you're eating, we're focusing on the timing of your meals. You typically have a period where you're fasting and a period where you're eating. And that is really just determined by each individual. Um, Basically, when you're eating, your body, when you're in an eating window, your body is eating food and that food is typically broken down into glucose and the glucose then goes into your cells. And what that glucose does is it goes in to help preserve brain function. It goes in to help do any physical activity that you're doing. And it goes to a cellular level to make all the things happen in your body that need to happen in order for you to survive and breathe and be healthy. Any excess, any excess food that you've eaten, so say you've eaten, um, you've eaten the food, your body has used what it needs. Well, what it doesn't need, it will store in your liver and your muscles. And so it'll tap into that when you need it. And then the rest is stored as adipocytes or is stored as, as triglyceride in your, um, in your fat cells. And there's a reason for that. You want it to do that. And so part of the reason that is, is that our ancestors were different than us. So now we're in a culture where we eat all the time. We're not as active and we have lots of things that occupy our time. Well, back in the day, most people, their whole job in life was to try to figure out how they were going to survive. And so they had periods, our ancestors, where they would eat and they would have abundance and they would get all the things that they needed from that food. And then they would essentially store everything of the food that their body didn't need so they could tap into it for reserves at times when they didn't have enough food. And it was used as a way to adapt and survive while still being active. They were still able to get that energy from where it needed it in their body so they could continue to do what they needed to do to survive. So what happens is, is in at periods when someone has decided that this is their fasting window, that they decide that because they're not eating, they don't have that glucose available to fuel their cells. So instead of having that glucose from the food, you're essentially tapping into 
the energy that's already stored in your adipose tissue or your fat cells and your body is going in there to take that energy out so that your cells can get the energy that it needs to function. Your brain always needs energy. That's always the kind of where your that's like the priority is to have that brain function. Um, and so your body needs it. So you're not eating enough or you're not eating during these periods of time so that your body can tap into the reserves of your fat cells, get the energy that it needs. Um, and so it's also referred to as metabolic switching because you're switching from eating to not eating. And once you're not eating or in this fasting state, you're in this, you're tapping into these, um, to your fat cells to get the stored energy in there. And usually that's in the form of ketones. So instead of having glucose, you're having ketones and that's what your body is using for energy. So that's what it is, and that's the history of it, is that's why we ended up doing it. Now, ways that people fast are very different. So there is three popular ones, although, you know, for religious reasons, people will fast during Ramadan and just during religious times that are usually um, not all the time. They just do it for periods and, you know, periods of time during different seasons to do it. Um, I would say the more popular ones recently have been, I'm going to talk about three of them. So it's one of them is called the eat, stop, eat. So it involves that you're fasting for 24 hours and you're doing it for like once a week. And then you are going to eat the way you normally would eat the other days. There's the five, two method. And in this method, you're basically eating the way you normally eat for five days and then for two days during that week, and they're not going to be two consecutive days, they're going to be like just two days that are not consecutive, you are going to eat just like five or 600 calories a day. So for five days you eat, you know, normally, and then you have two days where you're eating very limited calories. And then I think the most popular and the most doable for people, which is probably what's the most popular, popular is the 16 and 8 method. And this is something that's done on a daily basis. So instead of, you know, picking one day and then that you're fasting and then the other days you're not, you're eating on these days, but you have a fasting window. So for the 16-8 method, you will be fasting for 16 hours and then you eat for eight hours. Um, people do variations of this. It could be that you're fasting for 14 hours and you're eating for 10 or you're fasting for 12 and then you're eating for 12 and you're not eating during that whole time. It's just called your eating window. So, you know, when, when we're talking about some of the research, when it comes to, um, intermittent fasting, one of the caveats of this is that there are it's, it's difficult to tease out which method somebody did um, because there's lots of different methods that people use when it comes to intermittent fasting. It's not, it's not just, it's not implying one thing. It's not implying that it's a 16 and eight method. Although the 16 and eight is the most popular, there are other ways that people use to fast. So I think sometimes in the literature, it's all lumped together as one, but it, in fact, it, there's different things that are happening. So I want to talk a little bit about the whole research when it comes to intermittent fasting. So um, why I decided to talk about this is I was listening to something and they were touting all these really great things with intermittent fasting and that there wasn't really anything wrong with it. Um, or not that there was anything wrong with it, but it was for everybody. So that's what I was kind of diving deeper into. But what I think the research really shows, and this is what I want to talk about, is that 
different kinds of fasting may lead to different results, right? So a lot of times the intermittent fasting literature is being lumped together as one, but it's hard to tease out what method people were doing. Um, the other thing is that most of the literature up until recently was done on animals. So typically mice, it's easier to have um, fasted mice than it is to have fasted humans. So a lot of the literature was done on, on mice. Um, and so now what they're trying to do is extrapolate that literature and put it into humans. When it comes to human research, a lot of the previous literature was done on longevity studies, and we knew that there was some link between um, increased longevity and this idea of intermittent fasting. So we just want to kind of like really put everything out there for what's really happening. Um, so a lot of the newer studies that are out are basically smaller studies. They're based on um, they're based on they're based on humans, but they're very small. So there is this, there is more robust studies that are needed when it comes to intermittent fasting. Um, because I think a lot of times some of the research is based on, you know, the animal research and it may not extrapolate into the human population as well as, um, as I think we believe it may. And then more recently, you know, I think a caveat of this too, as I'm talking about this, is that there's research every single day when it comes to intermittent fasting. As I was doing this, every day there's something else that's coming out about it. So it's it's an it's an ongoing topic because I think it has um, really started to become something that is popular for weight loss. Like anything in the diet industry, once it becomes more about weight loss, I think there tends to be a little bit more research that's done on it. So because there's more people that are focusing on it for weight loss, then that's kind of where some of the literature is going now is like trying to extrapolate it into the population and see if there's an impact on um, first larger populations. So we need some really large, robust studies um, of different kinds of people to see where the benefit is. And then also, you know, just kind of being able to see what it does in terms of actual weight loss and in terms of what it does to different disease states. So that's kind of my caveat. And, and actually today I was talking to my friend about it and she does, she's has done intermittent fasting and her and I talk about it a lot. And really, I think what it's really, some of the studies are starting to show that it's boiling down to is that it's, it's, it's a calorie restricted diet, right? Because you're not usually with, with intermittent fasting, you are having some, um, calorie restriction there. So it may not be the whole intermittent fasting. It may end up being more of a calorie restriction because typically with intermittent fasting, because you have a shorter, um, eating window, you may not be eating the, 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 you know, you may not be eating the same amount of meals or your composition of your meals might be different. And the results are going to depend on the results that you get are going to depend on that too, because you're not taking any of that into account. So let's kind of talk about what the evidence at, that we have right now is saying about intermittent fasting, what we know is out there. And the caveat here being that it's going to change. Nutrition literature changes all of the time. And so it is going to change. But what we have and what we have shown 
that is successful now is what we're going to dive into. So we know, or what the literature shows us is that, that, that there is a fasting period that happens with intermittent fasting. And during that fasting period, there seems to be some kind of repair of the cells. So on a cellular, on a cellular level, there is some repair of damaged cells that are hot that is happening here. So the cells are able to remove any of that damage that's happening within the cell, cellular repair. Um, and sometimes people say like, like, um, free radicals. So free radicals are like old cells that are just kind of like hanging out there. And you don't want to have them all in there. And so with intermittent fasting, it seems to be that there is a period with fasting that there is your body is able to kind of remove the old cells and get rid of the damaged proteins and cells so that your body is able to undergo this cellular repair. And we it doesn't seem to happen if you're not having a period of fasting. So it sounds like fasting and not eating all of the time that there is a benefit in that way. We know a lot of the research is is when it comes to increasing lifespan because we know that there is something that helps with gene expression, so it helps increase lifespan. This there has been this association with fasting and and um in that and gene expression. Um, there has been there's been a suggestion that there's an improvement in insulin resistance, right? Um, I had a diabetes expert on here. Her name's Angela Mandersfield. She focuses on diabetes and pre-diabetes. And there is some research to support that there is an improvement in that. Um, but one of the caveats in, in this study, well, I keep saying the caveat, but in the research based on insulin resistance, what has been more recently shown is that for some reason, there might be more of a benefit in men than there is in women. Um, there has been an improvement seen with blood pressure markers, like an improvement in blood pressure, cholesterol, and triglycerides with, um, intermittent fasting. And when it comes to weight loss, because I think this is why most people do intermittent fasting, there are now more studies on it, but the human studies into weight loss has been small. And one of the things that hasn't been accounted for is that um, the amount of food that you're eating during intermittent fasting. So I think for people that achieve intermittent fasting with weight loss, um, some of that may be related to that there's a calorie restriction and not actual that you're fasting. And so there hasn't been a lot of studies to really show like if you're eating the same amount that you always eat, if you would still lose weight or if it's the calorie restriction in the intermittent fasting, that is the result of the weight loss. Okay, so that's the benefits that they've seen so far. Um, so studies suggest that intermittent fasting may be more beneficial in men than in women. So that's this is some of the more recent research that's out there. So they had done studies with blood sugar in men and women, and for some reason, it seemed that there was a greater benefit on blood sugar and improving blood sugar in men than in women. I have a friend who did intermittent fasting. She 
she, she probably didn't need to lose weight, but she did lose weight with intermittent fasting. Um, and she thinks it's because she was eating less. She was only eating probably two meals and she wasn't eating as many carbohydrates as she was previously. She went on intermittent fasting not to lose weight, but she went on because she was trying to control her prediabetes. So she lost weight on intermittent fasting, and the whole reason why she was doing it was to improve her hemoglobin A1C, which did not improve um, by doing intermittent fasting. So I think that there is, again, more of a benefit seen on improvement in, um, in blood sugar numbers in men than on women, and they think that might have something to do with like hormone levels with women. So again, I think there's some research, there's not a lot of research in general when it comes to intermittent fasting. So I think that, um, you know, for her, she was really disappointed that she felt like all the, everybody was telling her, like, it's going to be great. It's going to help me improve my hemoglobin A1C, but she did not have that, um, that experience. One of the things with intermittent fasting is that if you are somebody who is, um, either trying to get pregnant it, it, it can be tricky because they think that intermittent fasting, there may be some impact on menstruation. So it may lead to infertility or you may not be getting your period as often as you previously were. And that might be, ca- be caused by a calorie restriction. So you may not be eating enough calories if you're intermittent fasting to be able to especially if you're losing your period, um, that you may need to eat some more calories in order to, you know, to not have that calorie restriction so that you can get pregnant. Now, the big thing that they don't really know about yet is they think that there might be this difference between men and women when it comes to intermittent fasting. And they think it might have something to do with um, reproductive hormones. And so there's going to be a lot of studies that are needed to look into this. So Some of the concern was that there may be a decrease in reproductive hormones or there may just be so many variations in women's hormones that that might be why intermittent fasting may not work as well in women as it does for men. Or maybe it will, I mean, they don't really know yet. Like, will it be different if a woman is postmenopausal? They're not really sure. Um, There was a study that I did read and again, it was a very small study of women who did um, intermittent fasting, but their fasting window was, or their eating window, so they could only eat like four to six hours a day. And what they found was that there was some concern that maybe there was a decrease in the egg quality of the women who were fasting um, during, you know, who weren't eating all the time, who were who were only eating four to six hours a day. And so some of that was, you know, there was some question in terms of fertility there. But what they weren't able to really identify was if the women lost weight, if that would improve their fertility or if, so it was like kind of this whole thing like, hey, maybe you have a decrease in egg quality and maybe the function isn't that great in your eggs, but if you lose weight, then that overrides that. There wasn't really any um, conclusion in that. One of the other things that I saw out there in the literature was that um, intermittent fasting may disrupt estrogen balance. So for women who are trying to conceive, it may lower fertility. And for women who already have low estrogen from, you know, because they're postmenopausal, someone like me or maybe someone like you, that it may 
also lower estrogen even further. When you're in menopause, your estrogen levels are low. And so they were concerned that intermittent fasting, again, I don't really know what intermittent fasting they were doing in these studies because again, they're all linked together. Um, but maybe that that would also lower estrogen levels further in postmenopausal women. Um, so we don't really know at this point in time if there's a harm on like any reproduction when it comes to women and if there's a benefit with women when it came to decreasing um, hemoglobin A1C levels. So what I think most of the guidelines for women were like would be to do intermittent fasting for shorter periods of time and not for as many days if you did something, you know, depending on what route of intermittent fasting that you were doing. So what does intermittent fasting look like? Like what can you eat when you are in a fasting window? Well, typically in a fasting window, you're able to have water, coffee, unsweetened tea, and seltzer. So you can't have, you know, you can't have anything with artificial sweeteners in it. You can't have like sugar-free products because some of those products will break your fast. So it's very limited. Water, coffee, unsweetened tea, and I would say seltzer. So why do people like it? Why do people like intermittent fasting? Well, I think that people like it because if their goal is, you know, if most people like it because they're like, it feels convenient, it's flexible, I don't need to like monitor my calorie intake, Um, you don't have to do portion sizes, you don't have to write down your food, Um, you just eat in your fasting window, and then you you know, you just eat when it's your eating window and you stop eating when it's your fasting window. And I think people like it because it's usually you can just eat regular food and it's not supplements. And why people don't like it is that there's some side effects. So people feel really hungry. They may have headaches and mood swings. That's what has happened to me when I have done intermittent fasting. Um, there could be a decrease in energy and increase in irritability. Um, And those things usually go away within about a month or so. So just kind of know that that's like normal. Um, And then let's talk about who should fast, okay? So typically people that do intermittent fasting are healthy adults. So I feel like a lot of the social media accounts when they're talking about intermittent fasting are people that are pretty healthy um, or maybe, you know, it's probably not gonna impact them to have those fasting periods. But who shouldn't fast? That's probably what we really should focus on. So if you're under the age of 18, it's not recommended to fast. And the reason for that is that we think that, the, you know, there's a calorie restriction typically that goes into um, that goes into intermittent fasting. So we don't want you under the age of 18 to have that calorie restriction and to impede growth of any kind. If you're pregnant or nursing, also, you may not be enough getting enough calories to be able to support the growth of the baby or to support feeding your baby. So intermittent fasting is not recommended. If you're trying to get pregnant, I would probably not intermittent fast. Um, we don't know what the impact on intermittent fasting is on the quality of your eggs, the counts of your eggs. Um, we don't know what it affects your period. So if you are somebody who is not getting a period um, because you're doing this calorie restriction or you are calorie restricting on this intermittent fasting regimen, Um, and if you haven't had your period, then we probably don't want you to be intermittent fasting. 
If you have a history of eating disorders, do not intermittent fast. If you are prone to overeating or undereating, I would not intermittently fast. So one of the things that I'm going to talk about a little bit more in a, in a couple of minutes is about one of the things that I think is wrong with intermittent fasting. Um, that if you're prone to overeating, I think it's very hard to, or especially if you have any disordered eating, it may worsen that. So I would not intermittently fast if that is something for you. Um, if you're somebody who really struggles with your hunger cues, or maybe you're preoccupied with food, I would not intermittently fast. Um, if you're somebody whose blood sugar drops easily, like I have a friend who doesn't have any history of diabetes or anything, doesn't take any meds for that, but her blood sugar her her blood sugar drops and when it drops it drops fast so for someone like her you don't want to be in this fasting period because it will if she's not eating and she continues not to eat it will further worsen her blood sugar and then probably one of the main people who should not intermittently fast are people who take insulin so um you know, we've talked about on here before that there's different types of diabetics. So there's diabetics that need insulin. There's diabetics who, you know, who don't need insulin. But anybody who's taking insulin um, in general probably should not fast at all. Um, somebody who whose blood sugar isn't that well controlled probably shouldn't fast either. Anyone with low blood sugar at all should not be intermittently fasting. And then there's people who have diabetes that isn't related to anything that they're eating. It just, it has to do with the destruction of their, of their um, cells and their pancreas. And so those people, you know, especially if they're taking insulin should not be, or, or would not probably be candidates for intermittently fasting as it could worsen their periods. Um, it could worsen their periods of, uh, of high or of low blood sugar and low blood sugar is really, really dangerous. And so for anybody who isn't sure if they should fast, intermittently fast, I would probably talk to a healthcare professional um, or your doctor just to kind of see if it's something that's right for you. I think it's something that a lot of people do and doctors recommend it because it's like, oh, it's weight loss, but it really isn't recommended for everybody. So we've talked about how intermittent fasting is something that's really out there. It's being touted. There's a lot of benefits, but that a lot of the benefits seen were in, um, in, in, in animals and that there's limited studies when it comes to humans and it seems like much of the research so far supports the you know supports the benefits more in men than in women um so we know that there's that the literature right now is limited um and it's really been in smaller study trials in um, humans and that we need more robust studies in humans to really see what the long-term um, benefits are of intermittent fasting. There are some exciting studies underway to determine intermittent fasting and its impact on your heart health, on cancer. Because inflammation is such a key um, interest in why people do intermittent fasting, there's going to be diseases like Parkinson's and Alzheimer's and MS that are that they're really studying to see if there's an impact with um, those diseases in regards to intermittent fasting because of that re reduction of inflammation. Um, so that's kind of the research when it comes to intermittent fasting. It's, you know, it's limited, but there are some benefits. So now I kind of want to tell you about like what I think about intermittent fasting and where I've been on that. So if you don't want to hear my opinion, then you, you're done this episode, but I think you might want to hear it. So intermittent fasting is something that has been around for a really long time. And I believe that like anything in life, it's not a one size fits all solution. 
I told you I had a friend who did intermittent fasting to decrease her blood sugar. Um, it did not decrease her blood sugar, but it did lead to a weight loss for her. And she was happy about that. A lot of this is antidotal. So what's going to work for somebody might not work for you. And so part of talking about that is, is to figure out what works for you. So, you know, intermittent fasting, I think why a lot of people are really attracted to it is, is there's not, you can kind of eat whatever you want. Now, one of the things that nobody tells you also is that you can intermittently fast, but again, there is this calorie restriction that is probably leading to some of the benefits. So if you're somebody who's eating exactly the same, exactly the same amount of foods, but you're just eating them in a shorter window, well, then you may not have the weight loss benefit if that's what you're trying to get because you're still eating the same kind of calories and you're still eating the same kind of, you know, foods. You're, it's, it's the same. You're just doing it over a shorter window or period of time. So one of the things that this leads to for some people can be overeating or binging. And so this is where I struggle with the whole um, intermittent feeding kind of idea. So if you're trying to get to a place that you're not eating or overeating and binging, then then it's probably going to be very hard for you to do intermittent fasting because you're essentially ignoring your hunger cues and your fullness cues. And that for me doesn't feel very natural. You know, I've worked as a dietitian for over 20 years. And like, as I've told you before, like I see that there's a, there's a need to improve lifestyle um, and to reduce your risk of diseases such as cardiac disease, hypertension, diabetes. Um, and there is an impact in the way that you eat and your lifestyle in terms of disease. But I'm also a woman who's dealt with, you know, my own relationship with my body for many years and worsened over the last five years after I had my son. And so I know what that feels like to have shame and embarrassment about your body and being so like wanting to lose weight and wanting to feel better in terms of how you look, but then also trying to feel like you're trying to repair this relationship that you have with your body and with food. And so intermittent fasting, when you're doing that, it's really hard to heal that relationship um, with food because you're not listening to any of your, you're not listening. You're essentially ignoring your hunger and your fullness cues. And so the other thing is, is that you're still then having like, for some people, for them, it's still like you're having this, like you're on a diet, you're off a diet, you're on a diet, you're off a diet. Because, you know, if you're fasting for 16 hours, well, then you can't eat because it's not your, it's not your fasting window. So I think what feels very unnatural to me is that, that you're not listening to your body's signals. And, you know, I think that your goal is to really tap into what your body is telling you. It's not to eliminate that feeling of not being hungry um, because you're not, you don't, you won't know if you're hungry or not because you're not eating during that time. You're essentially doing everything you can do to not eat during those periods of time because it's another rule that you've put on yourself in terms of I can't eat because of whatever it is you can't eat. And so this is where I kind of go through this whole idea. And I don't, you know, I still struggle with trying to figure out how to marry this idea of like, okay, what can you do that you're talking about? And you're becoming empowered to make lifestyle choices, but that you're not going crazy, where it's to the point that you're being extreme, and you're not listening to your body either. And so 
I see some of the benefits in, you know, I've, I've counseled women who would do this thing at nighttime where they would eat a lot at the end of the night. So it was almost like this way. I think like their hormones were kind of taking charge and, you know, that's what happens. We know this is what happens, especially as you go into menopause, that it's going to be, you're, you're going to be craving things that are, you know, that are going to be probably out of alignment in what it is that you're trying to do in terms of your health. And so intermittent fasting may provide kind of some insight into like, oh, okay, I can't eat right now, but it might provide you with this thought of like breaking a habitual habit that you're doing or a pattern that you're doing that maybe isn't serving you, right? So I think that's in one case like, oh, I'm eating all night and I'm eating, but I'm not really hungry. So intermittent fasting might be like, okay, well, I'm not going to eat during this window. Um, And then maybe that will help with that, right? Maybe it'll help you with that behavior. But at the same time, I think what it's ultimately going to come down to is trying to figure out if you're hungry or if you're starting to feel full. And I think sometimes with intermittent intermittent fasting, it's really hard to tap into that. And it may actually promote you overeating. Um, and you know, and it might even it might even provoke binging for some people, even if you feel like you've been recovered in terms of if you've done that in the past. So I think what it comes down to is we're talking about intermittent fasting because it's something that's out there, but ultimately you need to figure out if it works for you. Um, I think for me that it isn't something that I want to do at this particular time because my focus is on healing my body. And for me, it feels like intermittent fasting is not, is the opposite of what I'm trying to achieve. And so you don't have to do it even if everybody else is doing it. Um, I have a brother who does intermittent fasting and loves it and him and I would talk about it and he has a lot of benefits and by the way he might be having more benefits because now as the research is showing that it might be more beneficial for men because of that you know that there's not that hormone component in there Um, but I've always been so resistant to do it and I've, I've tried it during different times and for me that's what ends up happening is that I end up being deprived and then I end up overeating and so for me, I felt like that maybe wasn't something that was, was good for me. And so now I think it's up to you to kind of know that you have this, this data of you have the most recent, um, literature that is telling, you know, that tells us that there is some benefit, um, of fasting, but I am not in, in, you know, I like intuitive eating, but there are these intuitive eating dietitians that say that the way that you are um, doing this idea of fasting is that when you sleep every night, you're fasting. And so that you don't really need to do a fasting. You don't need to have periods of your day when you're fasting. And so I think you have to figure out in your life what works for you. Um, If you find yourself that you're up you only sleep up like maybe five hours a night and you find yourself up at periods of the night and you're eating, but maybe you're not even hungry, then maybe intermittent fasting would help you break that. Um, you know, I, I've had clients that do intermittent fasting and some people like it and some people feel like it worsens any of their disordered eating that they're doing. So again, Intermittent fasting is not something that you have to do. Um, You are going to not be eating when you're sleeping at nighttime. So you are doing some kind of fasting. So your body can have some sort of recovery um, when it comes to repairing of your cells. 
Um, but really just trying to figure out if this is something that would work for you. I've decided for me, it is not something that, that will take precedence in my life. And I'm trying to heal that relationship with my food. And so I will not be intermittently fasting. So I wanted to give you some information today and hopefully this will help you. If you have any questions about intermittent fasting, you can certainly reach out to me. My email is info at Trisha, info at com, And so like anything, you just have to figure out what works for you. You don't have to go through like what everybody else is doing. Um, just because everybody else is doing it doesn't mean that it is right for you. You may have periods in your life where you feel like this does work for you and other periods where you're like, yeah, I'm not ready to do that anymore or it feels too restrictive. So ultimately, like you know your body better than anyone and you know what is right for you. And if intermittent fasting isn't right for you, well, I'm right there with you. Okay, so the more important thing here is to be able to do what you feel like is sustainable for the longer period of time that doesn't feel like that doesn't feel like you have to be on something and off something because ultimately the goal here is that this can be a lifestyle change for you and that you don't feel like you have to hop on the diet bandwagon. So I hope this helps clear up some questions about intermittent fasting for you, um, as there will no doubtably be so much information that comes out. So at some point you may need to, you know, save this episode and come back to it as the literature, you know, comes out and you're like, maybe, maybe I should do it. But if you can't do it or you don't want to do it, that's perfectly fine. I'm right there with you. So I hope you have a great um, week and I will see you guys back here next week where I'm going to talk. I'm going to probably talk about another more, another week. I'll talk about this whole like eating and different things that are out there in the world just so we're talking about it. But, um, and then I'm going to kind of stop and just kind of start going back to some of our normal topics. So I hope you have a great weekend and I will see you guys back here next week. Bye-bye.